Welcome to the Reboot Podcast. We are so glad you're here. Delegation is one of the most essential skills to master as a leader and one of the more challenging. Done well, it's the fundamental behavior that impacts the culture, execution, and the bottom line. And it creates inclusive leaders, flexible businesses, and the fostering of leaders in all places in the organization. Of course, there are plenty of reasons why we do it and plenty of reasons why we don't. Delegation is not just about tossing the thing that needs to get done to someone. The art of delegation is in recognizing the inherent cooperative relationship-driven dynamic of delegation. As leaders, we must not only look at our own capacity for this, but evaluate others' capacity as well, and then invest in the relationship that will hold the commitment. In this most excellent conversation with my colleague, Virginia Bowman, we unpack the many facets of delegation, and we leave you with a handy framework to bring into your day-to-day. Enjoy. Hi, Virginia. I'm so glad you're here. We can talk about delegation today. Hi, Ellie. I'm really excited for this topic. It's something that's been really important to me as, as a leader in my growth, and it's very, very hard. So thanks for opening this conversation up and inviting me to talk about it. Well, I'm really stoked because you have some fantastic viewpoints and lenses to which to view this. So um, I'm excited to offer that to our listening audience. And, you know, delegation comes up so often in coaching sessions. Um, Mm -hmm. And there are so many reasons why we do it. And there are some pretty clear reasons why we don't. Yes. Yeah. There are. I... (laughs) I would love to actually just talk about that because I can speak to it and I'm sure you could. Yeah. Um, what are some reasons that, that you don't delegate or do? Um, I have a really hard time delegating when, when I don't have like a full sense of what the to-do item is. Like, do I have a full, do I have a clear vision mm-hmm. of what the outcome is. If not, it's not ready to talk. Like it's not a hot potato that I'm ready to hand off to someone else. Right. So ambiguity and a lack of clarity might stop you from delegating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think tr- trust is huge. And I hear this all the time, but like, if I don't trust someone, like I, I'm not giving you anything to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we could, I mean, trust is like a topic we've talked about a lot on this podcast, but it's, it's something so fundamental to delegation that I think it's worth mentioning that as a discipline going into where the trust is breaking down so yeah. that you can delegate is, is its own episode, is its own many episodes. But Yeah, so true. But yeah, trust can stop us. If I just break down the trust thing for, for a snippet here, just so that the listeners can maybe check in on this on their own too. It's like, is the person that I could delegate this to, um, reliable? Mm-hmm. Are they competent? Mm-hmm. Um, do I trust their like sincerity around this? Like, yes. is there, is there an, you know, can I, can I trust that they're going to deliver? 
Right. Have they done this before? All those things. Yeah. I, you know, I, I've been a recovering people pleaser, still am for a long time. And so one of the reasons that sometimes I won't delegate or I'll get in my own way is I don't want to impose on the other person. Oh, wow. Um, and as a leader, sometimes I, I see my role as like protecting people, which is not very helpful for their growth. It's kind of mm-hmm. codependent. And, and I think that in learning how to delegate, I've had to, I've had to just trust that these people are fully fleshed out adults that will tell me no, that will tell me what they can't do, that will not feel that I am, you know, imposing on them. And that was a huge, that was a huge breakthrough for me in terms of trusting that I could, I could delegate something to somebody. That's really big. I also sometimes don't delegate, um, again, for the lack of clarity, but sometimes it's just the, the ability to communicate the importance or the lack of importance. There is something about how we, um, are relating to the positional power and how, how we can make sure that the person understands what we need them to do and why, and not just saying yes, because we're in a position of power over them. And I think that's kind of a, another dimension where, um, if the communication cost is really high for the delegation, you're less likely to do it. Mm-hmm. So what are some reasons that we do delegate? Efficiency, which is probably one of my number one values, or at least top five. Mm-hmm. And like I know in reality, it's all about scale and uh, letting trusting your people to do their best work. But um, <laughs> I think for me, uh, I do believe those things, and I see them happening um, in the you know small small teams that I've worked with and built, and. It's, I think as a leader, you, you can't do all the things. Yeah. It's about recognizing, recognizing like, okay, my energy is best put here on this pile of stuff or these top three items. And I know that this item needs to get done. I am not the best human to do this, nor is this like the highest and best use of my time or energy. Yeah. I must therefore find the best human next to me. Um, or maybe a couple layers down who can really take this and get it where it needs to go. Yeah. So there's definitely a humility to the, the skill and recognizing talent and opportunity for others. I think related to that is the ability to give our teammates opportunities to grow and learn. And so there's the, the organizational scale and the, the scale of the work and then there's the scale of the human that you're giving the task to. How are they actually scaling themselves and their skill sets? There's also like our own learning in terms of vicarious learning and watching people do things well and sort of giving ourselves the ability to appreciate and witness someone else on our team taking on a task that we know they can do and they can do well. There's reinforcing trust. So the flip side of the other, you know, trust coin is like when delegation goes well and the communication runs smoothly and mm-hmm. everyone's aligned and it and it works, 
trust is reinforced and you know you kind of put those deposits in the bank but i think at a certain point as a leader this skill becomes such a huge part of a leader's time and effort that yeah. it it can't be understated how important it is to not just think about delegation as a binary act but to think about delegation as a process that we can be great at a process mm-hmm. that we can deepen and a discipline that allows us to be better leaders yeah you know there's a there's a piece here that i think is really big and it it hit me again when you brought up the reinforcement of trust right? When delegation goes well, it, it reinforces that trust channel. Like, oh my God, I have someone I can depend upon. I have someone I can toss these things to, and I know that they're going to be in good hands. And I know it's going to be delivered or shipped on time, whatever, whatever the outcome is. Because I feel like um, as a leader, you're the, the biggest hurdle to get over is, well, one of the big ones is I think all of the other management aspects that are around what I, okay, I know delegation is good. I know I need to hand this, these things off. I kind of trust this person. What happens then, right? If the commitment is broken or um, I'm somehow disappointed on the other end of this, like it's about how do I manage myself in that moment based on our own personal history? I'm sure we all bring in our own, baggage around that, but it's also, how do I hold people accountable? So like accountability is, I think, you know, another layer or another piece of this, this larger management puzzle. But anyway, your, um, your statement around, you know, the, the reinforcing channel of trust really seemed to highlight that for me. Yeah. It's a, it's an inherently cooperative in relationship skill. And so if we think about how we're good at delegation or how we want to be better at delegation. That's one piece. And then if we think about another person's capacity for working with us in being delegated to, that's the other piece. And then there's the, how do we do it in relationship? What does the act look like? What does the communication pattern look like? Um, And designing that explicitly with that person is a part of what I consider the breakdown of this skill. And so if that's the case, if we accept that, we have to understand that delegation can be different with each individual on our team. Mm. Because each person in relationship with us is a little bit different. Each person has a different capacity. Each person is better at different things. And so we have to delegate differently. And I will also say that there's a piece of this that relates to being an inclusive leader, being um, building a culture that invites different styles of working and different styles of thinking and processing information. I'll relate this back to my own experience as a leader. I actually had a rule um, that... If Virginia tried to do something three times and failed three times, it was automatically delegated. <laughs> and this this was one of my f- 
I, I, I kind of refer to it as the Ryan rule because Ryan suggested it and Ryan was, was somebody who was working very closely with me at the time. And my colleague Ryan noticed that I had trouble delegating. And I also had trouble with overload because I was the CEO of a small team. We were fundraising. We were selling the company also at the same time. And there was just a lot going on. And delegation formed as a, um, a compensatory strategy for how my brain worked so that we could get more done as a group. And when we, when we look at how differently we can use this skill to support others, we start to see a lot of opportunity for getting creative with delegation and letting us each do the parts that we need to do to, to use our time the best. So when we, when we train leaders at Reboot um, on delegation, and when I work with my clients on delegation, there's a simple mental model that I like to introduce that I'd like to give our listeners. Let's do and it. we have on one side, um, we have kind of a, a Y axis of a two by two matrix and an, uh, that is individual readiness. The person that you're delegating to, how ready are they for that task? And for the simplicity of this, I just want to say is the individual readiness high or low? And that's it. The task importance is the x-axis. And the task importance can be urgency, it can be value, but somehow we have to evaluate how important is this task, how urgent, how mission critical is this task. And that can either be high or low. And so we get four quadrants around individual readiness and task importance. And if we just plot the task on that two by two matrix, it's going to fall into a place where we then get to say, is the task importance high and the individual readiness high? If so, how do we want to delegate that? And if the task importance is low and the individual readiness is low, how do we want to delegate in that situation? And I'll just kind of skip to, you know, when we, when we look at delegation, we want to identify opportunities for the person growing and learning, but we don't want to do that if the task importance is really high, mm -hmm. right? In that case, we want to monitor and support the person that we're delegating to because anyone who's ever taken on a mission critical task with no oversight knows that that can be a little bit more stressful than it needs to be. Mm -hmm. So when we delegate something that's really high importance, to someone who has really high individual readiness, we still want to support them, give them an extra set of eyes and make sure that the task goes smoothly. When the individual readiness is high and the task importance is low, take it, run with it. We don't need to necessarily monitor this, right? And that's a place to give the person more autonomy and to let go even more. When the individual readiness is low and the task importance is low, that's a learning opportunity where we provide a high amount of support so that the person can actually learn from what we know, from our wisdom, or from someone else that is offering that support. And then finally, when the individual readiness is low and the task importance is high, we do not delegate. <laughs> so, 
I think that's fair, know, it, by the way. That's very fair. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes we don't have a choice, right? Right. Rules like these frameworks are only as useful as we can apply them flexibly. But I want people to understand that before we delegate, knowing where the individual readiness of the person is and how important the task is, that starts the process. So there's a little bit of inquiry. There's a little bit of going inward before we delegate. And that will give us a lot of clarity about how we delegate, what we ask for from the other person, and what we offer in terms of our time, energy, and um, capacity. Mm -hmm. We also have a couple of questions, a few questions, four questions to be exact, that will help you do this inquiry. And I'll offer them um, one by one. When you plan to delegate, first you want to say, how will the work be handed off? In other words, how much context will you provide? And what expectations do you want to set? That's the first step. And then you may want to ask yourself, what questions will you ask to understand their individual readiness? Because just asking, how ready are you to do this task may give you something, but there's probably some more creativity that you can bring to assessing the individual's skill, capacity, um, reliability, so on and so forth. And yeah. each person is different. Well, what are some examples? I mean, I yeah. imagine it's going to shift per situation, but like just to give folks a little, well, Imagine our open, honest questions are going to come in handy here. They absolutely will. And I think let's, let's use a couple of those. If I were to pose, um, let's talk about this task. What is your best outcome if I were to ask you to get this task done in the next two weeks? Mm -hmm. And what's your worst outcome? Let's just find the bands of like where this might land in the eyes of the person doing it, from the perspective of the person who might be tasked. What worries come up when you think about taking on this additional responsibility? What kind of value will completing this well create for the company, team, mm -hmm. org? What might we need to deprioritize if you were to take this on? What kinds of things in the past have you done that remind you of this? Mm -hmm. Tell me about those. How well does this land within a skill set that you feel strong in or weak in? How important is this task to you? Those are great. I could keep going, but you can you can kind of hopefully get the idea that there's a, there's a temporal dimension to this. There's mm -hmm. sort of like, how does it fit within the now, the time that you're going to be doing the task? And then there's a personal element. How does this fit with you and your role and capacity? And then there's an us, like, how will we know that it's going well, which we haven't quite gotten to, but that kind of leads into the next question, which is, when will we check in and provide feedback and how frequently? 
Mm-hmm. What's the communication plan around this? Because I think we often don't talk about that, but a, an element of completing something satisfactorily has to do with how we talk about it and how we communicate progress and how we narrate how things are going or not going well. And then the last question is, how will you connect this task to their goals and motivations? I think we've all been delegated to or all delegated probably something that was unimportant to us or the other person, respectively. And while we may have to do that sometimes, it's better to link this to something that they care about or some responsibility that they're charged with, if at all possible. Because the meaning will allow them to draw motivation to get them through something hard. You know, there's a huge value in um, having these conversations ahead of time. Um, you know, just from, I'm just thinking, I'm imagining, you know, someone with direct reports. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it loops back again to that accountability piece that is so challenging for people as it relates to delegation and setting expectations. Because yeah. um, it's one thing for someone to like delegate something. It's another thing for like, it's almost like delegation hygiene, right? It's like, how mm-hmm. do we really set this up well and make sure that uh, that folks are being held accountable? And what I really love about what you just articulated with, the, with that hearty set of questions is um, really having a conversation that is like consciously around all of the different parts of this project. And so that person can't just say, Oh yeah, I've got it. Don't worry. See you in two weeks. It's like, no, we've talked about these things. Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked ahead of time about what the goalposts are for what failure looks like or what not doing it well looks like and what, what this person's version or ex- expectation of success on their own terms looks like, which is a really wonderful, um, setting the stage, so to speak, for, you know, these subsequent conversations. And then also if, you know, if you arrive at the end and like things kind of went off the rails, it's like, all right, so what happened, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, this is a sidebar note. We don't have to take it anywhere. Um, But I feel like a huge piece of that accountability, and I think you and I had the accountability conversation actually Mm -hmm. on the podcast, but a huge piece of the accountability is, I I find this in leaders, like they feel accountable when other people fail and yet they don't push that accountability down when it's clear that the failure happened a degree away from them, right? One step away from them. They are not the ones that that failed. So, you know, how then you're setting up that conversation as a leader so that if things go off the rail or expectations aren't met, or if, you know, this is one uh, thread of a consistent appearance of things not being met or occurrence of things not being met, you can then have necessary conversations to say something's not working here. Yes. And if I'll just, you know, speak to the tension that is coming up for me that I've witnessed and experienced a lot. Okay. Let's say you're delegating because you have a lack of capacity mm-hmm. and then we're saying, but you, you need to expend more capacity to have a conversation, map all this out, put it in a document, keep it on hand, make sure it's all clear, take the responsibility. Okay, obviously that's not going to always happen. So right. 
for a moment, I'd like to speak directly to the people who are being delegated to and say, you can use this the same way Mm -hmm. and you can help manage your leader that doesn't have the capacity to have this conversation initiated from their side. You can initiate it from yours, manage up and ask these questions, right? Offer what you think it is and guide them through it because there's a lot more that is in your hands than you think. And the leader will appreciate any effort to make things clear if they're overloaded. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying take care of the leader. I'm saying take care of yourself. And that will take some stuff off of that leader. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of different there's a lot of different um, ways that this skill can be perfected. So I think putting this two by two and putting these questions in a place where everybody can find them is something that that we can link in the show notes. We can link, you know, on Medium. We can put in places where people can find them. Use these to clarify the expectations. Use these to drive your own accountability, and delegation will run a little bit smoother. Yeah. I love it. Um, would you, you have a lot of lenses here that Mm -hmm. you kind of bring into this and I would love for you to speak to some of them because like delegation, this skill is important for leaders for so many reasons. And as you, uh, you know, just identified knowing this, like having this as a framework is kind of essential if you're being managed, right? Because often we're not always managed well because our managers are like completely overloaded. You mean they didn't go to manager school? Oh my gosh. Who, what? (laughs) They got promoted because they were good at being an individual contributor. And now all of a sudden they have all these people reporting to them. What? It's never happened. Do we have an episode on that? Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Leading from every position is what we're talking about, right? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Man, just that image alone, it's like my whole heart just like lifted up. Like to imagine a workspace in which everyone was leading from their position. It's like, wow, that would be buoyant. Yes. I feel you've really, really lifted that up for, um, you know, folks who may not imagine themselves as being empowered or having a sen- enough agency, right, to make a difference. But but here it is. But where, what are the other lenses and, and wh- why and where is delegation is so important in leadership? Well, I think, I think I want to return to the, you know, the neurodiversity inclusion piece. I want to return to kind of the culture piece. Um, if we think about building a culture of delegation, robust delegation and autonomy, um, then you know, there's a mandate to not only do this well, but model it and give people tools so that it's accessible. And when you start to look at it with that amount of depth, you start to see a lot of opportunity for growing the capacity of the org, not just yourself. If you have people advocating for doing delegation better consistently from all places, then we start to really have um, a workplace that is flexible. And we need that because we don't know what 
we're going to encounter each year. I think Mm -hmm. that's pretty clear at this point. I also think that if we, if we are being inclusive leaders, we want to think about how delegation can be both a challenge for certain people and a lifesaver at the same exact time, mm-hmm. in the same exact act. And so I'm going to speak from the ADHD perspective because that's, that's where I come from and that's also where I help a lot of clients come from. With ADHD, oftentimes we want to reinforce and supplement and create supportive structures for our working memory, for our memory in general. And when we are delegated to, or we delegate to someone else, we are taking a task and we are putting it either in our working memory, we're trying to essentially take on something new and get it done within a certain amount of time, be task focused and work, work through it. Or we're trying to take something out of our mind and give it to someone else. Either way, we want to put it down in writing somewhere so that we can refer back to it so that we don't depend on our lossy brain and memory, right? Not that ADHD has any, you know, inherent challenge with, with long-term memory compared to other people, but it's just, it's incredibly helpful to think about this as a discipline is something that requires a record. It's a commitment. It's a commitment with lots of dimensions. And if we don't have a record of what we said and what we agreed upon, then there's likely unnecessary conflict that we might encounter in the future. And it's an act of service to yourself and to others, regardless of how their brain works, to put it in paper, to put it in writing, and to have it to refer back to, possibly to manage to it, you know, having checklists, having things where we can have a source of truth. These are things that help everyone. And it's hard to get to clarity. It's hard to be succinct, clear, and straightforward if we don't give ourselves the opportunity to put something down in writing. Amen, sister. So I would just encourage us to think about delegation from as many lenses as we can to empower our team in a lot of different ways. And um, I want to offer one more thing, which is, you know, you may want to do a little bit of a diagnostic with your team um, to say, what things would you like delegated to you more? What things would you like to take on that you would like to be delegated that would help you grow in a way that's important to you? What things would you like delegated less? If you don't know what people want, it's hard to give it to them. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you have to ask. I, I would encourage people, if they want to learn more about delegation, to reach out to us. Um, it's a topic we deal with a lot. And it's also something that I think um, unlocks a lot of value. So if this is something that 
that you're struggling with or notice some tension around, pay attention to that and ask for help. I second all of that. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, head to reboot.io slash podcast to explore past and present seasons of our podcast conversations. To help more people find and enjoy the Reboot podcast, consider leaving us a review on iTunes. You can find our step-by-step guide for leaving reviews in the show notes of each episode. And don't forget to join our mailing list at reboot.io slash sign up so you'll never miss an episode. Thank you for listening. As a leader, you hold within you a vision, a vibrant image of what your organization can become. Now, how do you translate that vision into a map, leading every member of your team to the same destination? That's where annual planning comes in. But where do you even begin? What questions do you ask? What tools do you need? To support you in tackling these questions, we've developed a handy guide for annual planning a free downloadable resource for navigating the exciting and sometimes bumpy road to realizing your vision. In this jam-packed guide, you'll discover how to translate your vision into a crystal clear roadmap that inspires and unites your team. We believe that annual planning, when done right, is an opportunity for growth, connection, and shared purpose. It's a chance to ignite the collective fire within your team and illuminate the path to a brighter future. Ready to turn your vision into reality? Grab your copy of the guide for annual planning on our resources page at reboot.io slash resources.